This episode is brought to you by my template shop on Etsy. That's right. I heard your feedback a couple months back and opened up a template store for all you Etsy lovers, and I have been blown away by the feedback so far. While all of my templates and bundles listed are already included inside my Playmaker Society monthly membership, now you have the option of purchasing these resources a la carte as you need them, which is perfect if you're not quite ready to jump in and join our Playmaker community quite yet. These templates and trainings start at just $7, are professionally developed and proven to work, and can save you hundreds of hours and dollars because, like you've probably heard a million times, there is no need to reinvent the wheel, especially when I have already created highly effective operations documents and templates and optimized them over the years to be exactly what you need in your business, exactly when you need them. Head to the show notes to browse my a la carte templates on Etsy starting at just $7 right now. If you're in the play and party business and you want to operate with more ease and joy, all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for Small But Mighty Tips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play or party-based business. All right, Playmakers, welcome back. I'm very excited for today's episode, so we're going to get right into it. But before I do, I just wanted to really quickly say, number one, the price of my signature Play Cafe Academy program does go up every year. So if you've been on the fence, now is the time to join us and lock in 2023 pricing. If that's something you're interested in, it does still come with a free month of Playmaker Society, which is my membership for indoor playground owners. And a ton of extra modules and templates and trainings that are designed to fast track the opening and optimization of your play-based business. And then number two, I just wanted to say thank you so much to everyone who left a super kind review this year. My goal was to end 2023 with 100 reviews and thanks to you, I met and even exceeded that goal. So again, thank you. I say it all the time, but leaving a quick rating and review is the kindest thing that you can do to support me or the podcast and to help us reach more playmakers whose goal it is is to live out their place-based business dreams in their local area. All right, now that we got that housekeeping out of the way, let's get into today's topic. And this is something I've been doing every single year since 2019 over on YouTube, but this is the first year that I'm bringing it over to the podcast. So I'm really excited. And this one has something for everyone, current owners, prospective owners, people opening their second or third locations, everyone. But if you are a visual person, I'm going to link the YouTube video over in the show notes because I'm going to do some showing in addition to my telling over there. And some trends I've mentioned multiple times over the last few years, like focusing more on memberships and recurring revenue and balloon art and things like that. So I'm not even considering them emerging trends anymore since they've been pretty much cemented into the industry by now. So even though those are still some of my favorite trends, I really challenge myself to whittle the list down to 10 trends for this coming year that I'm predicting a big increase in. All right, one thing before we get started. You're going to notice a few recurring themes here. First, many of these trends that I'm predicting come as a direct result of more and more play spaces opening every single day, everywhere. Many people who are looking to open spaces are doing so in areas with established competition, which 
as I have discussed in other videos, can definitely be a good thing, but it can also create an uphill battle for you if you don't differentiate your business enough. So if I had to choose a word for this year for the play-based industry, it would probably be enough. As in, there's enough space for all of us and all of our businesses, or maybe the word would be unique because if we can lean into our creative and unique differences enough, we can all coexist happily and serve the customers that we were called to. I truly believe that. The second theme you're going to notice is that more and more of Gen Z are becoming parents these days. So a lot of these trends, I believe, can be credited to their entrance into parenthood and subsequently the play space industry. And can I say for a moment, thank goodness, because they are bringing a lot of good and positivity into the play industry. All right, let's get into it. Here are my 10 trend predictions for the indoor playground industry for 2024. So this is what we are going to, in most cases, hopefully see more of as we move throughout this new year. And again, I have almost a perfect track record in predicting trends. So let's go. Number one, more color. And I had to start with this one because this is the one that I'm most excited about, I think. I really think 2024 will finally see the downfall of the sad beige play space. And I, for one, am so freaking thankful for that. But let me explain. And before I explain, a quick disclaimer. I am not suggesting or saying that we should bring back like the primary color palette of the early 90s, Discovery Zone, Chuck E. Cheese type places. There are still very tasteful and aesthetic ways to bring color back into play. As you know, my space was very, very bright, but I thought the colors were still very tasteful and they were cohesive and they really made our space stand out against some of our competitors. So if somebody saw a picture of our play area or if someone's friend took a picture in our space and posted it on social media, people would immediately recognize our color scheme and would say, hey, I know exactly where that photo was taken. And it was a great way for us to establish that brand recognition and really stay top of mind with our customers. Now, if you want some advice from a professional color psychology expert about how to choose the colors of your space based on how they work together, as well as what emotions they're going to evoke from your customers, go back and listen to episode 229, my episode with Michelle Lewis, because she is brilliant. But Gen Z is basically demanding color and vividness and more stimulation for our little ones in the places meant for play and imagination. And can I say again, thank goodness. And this is coming from someone who very shamefully, and I'm so embarrassed to say this, but this is coming from someone who's succumbed to the sad millennial gray and white minimalistic house trend of 2020. But I'm in recovery, okay? What can I say? I'm traumatized from the wood paneled walls of my childhood home and our two-toned dark brown carpet. Now, if you're listening on the podcast, you're going to have to, you know, turn inward and visualize that a little bit. But if you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to overlay some pictures of my childhood home. And keep in mind, this is after my parents removed like 90% of the wood paneling. My entire childhood home was covered in wood panels and dark brown carpet. So yes, I have a sad, you know, millennial gray home. I have white subway tile, um, tile in my kitchen. I'm very cliche in that regard. 
But I think I speak for many of us when I say this. I want my house to be minimal. I'm not going to lie. Yes, my kids' rooms are full of color, but the main living areas in my house have a lot of neutrals. What can I say? That's how I like it. And my husband, whose closet literally consists of one color, again, if you're listening on the podcast, you're going to have to visualize this. But if you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to share a picture of his closet, but it's literally all one color. And he might just have a heart attack if I were to go give our living room like a jewel-toned accent wall. So having said all that, when I bring my kids out to play and use their imagination and have fun, I want the space that I'm bringing them to to exude all of those things, right? Because I like to keep my house neutral, I specifically seek spaces out that are vibrant and trigger inspiration and, again, fun. And I think, again, I speak for a lot of people when I say that. That's what play spaces are for, right? That's why parents bring their kids to play spaces, to expose their children to things that are not available to them in their homes, whether that's different equipment or different types of play, different people, and yes, more colors. I want the play space that I'm bringing my kids to to be silly and colorful and fun so I can expose my kids to all of that without having to live in it. And I know you've probably seen that trend on TikTok with that millennial mom who spray painted all of her kids' super colorful ornaments beige and the uproar that that called. Again, I'm telling you, we're going to see more and more color coming back into homes, but especially into play spaces as we move throughout 2024. And before any of you other millennials come for me in the comments about this, I am all for muted colors. I'm all for color pops and well-done color accents in play spaces. A lot of my Playmaker Society members this year are actually even adding in really cool accent murals done by local artists, which I love because not only does that add color, it adds character and it supports a local creator. I don't necessarily need to get a headache when I enter your space from all of the color, but I'm calling it right now. And if I was running for president of the play industry, I might just use this as my 2024 slogan, but no more sad beige play spaces in 2024. It doesn't matter if you're an existing play space. It doesn't matter if you're just getting ready to launch. We need more color in spaces designed for play. All right, I had to get that one out of the way, but moving on to number two, positive vibes only. And this is another one that I've been predicting for a while now, but I'm so excited that I'm finally seeing a lot of this come to fruition. And again, I'm predicting it even more so in 2024 and beyond, particularly in spaces owned by millennials, because we were a little slow to catch on. I'm not going to lie. But I'm so glad that the millennial brand of self-deprecating parent humor is out. And don't get me wrong, that is still my personal brand of humor, but we as parents are finally now realizing that how we speak to and about ourselves matters in our kids' development. Our kids are watching us extremely closely, and I'm seeing more and more positivity on things like menu items, signage, shirts, mugs, all that stuff. No more having to walk up to the counter and order a dark under-eye circle special or a mombi latte, right? Like mom zombie. And no more wearing the whole messy hair, I always look like this, I just rolled out of bed, or, you know, leggings every day type shirts. No more mama needs wine shirts. No more I was normal a few kids ago shirts. And yes, these are shirts that I actually found on Etsy. And if you're on YouTube, you're seeing some of these. So I did not make this up. These are all real menu items or real shirts I've seen 
in the last couple years. And I could have picked a million examples, but you get the idea. Not only are our kids paying attention to how we talk about ourselves, but they're also paying attention to how we treat our bodies and how we talk about them and parenting. So we're seeing a lot more you are enough type shirts. And I see a lot of creators using more inclusive language as well, which I absolutely love. My favorite shirts say, what a great day to be inclusive and build inclusive playgrounds from the Able Fable store. But again, overall, just a lot more positivity and positive, uplifting, inclusive talk, whether that be on merch, clothing, or signage. And I love, love, love it. All right, trend number three, a lean into universal design. Now, I've talked about play spaces embracing accessibility above and beyond the basics of what's required by law the last few years, but I just couldn't leave it off this year's list because it is so important if you want to be successful in the play industry. More and more spaces are embracing universal design from the jump. And if you haven't listened to my podcast series about universal design, to sum it up, Universal design in a place-based concept refers to the design and layout of indoor and outdoor recreational areas in a way that ensures they are accessible and inclusive for all people of all abilities, including those with disabilities. It involves creating play environments that can be enjoyed by everyone, regardless of their age, physical or cognitive abilities, or sensory sensitivities. Universal design principles and play spaces may include features like ramps for wheelchair access, sensory-friendly play equipment, inclusive seating areas, and thoughtful layout and spacing to accommodate mobility aids. The goal of universal design and play spaces is to promote inclusivity, encourage social interaction, and provide equal opportunities for all individuals to engage in active play and recreation. And that definition actually alludes to a perfect example of universal design, a wheelchair ramp, right? Even somebody without a disability can run up a wheelchair ramp and use it to access a different level of the play structure. However, if there were stairs in place of a wheelchair ramp, that could only be accessed by somebody who doesn't have a disability or who is not a wheelchair user. So a wheelchair ramp is accessible to everyone, not just to people with disabilities. So that is the key and the beauty of universal design. So we are seeing more play spaces meant for everyone to play together. And we're seeing a big drop in spaces created specifically for kids with disabilities, like gyms geared towards autistic kids only, for example. And we're seeing an increase in spaces being designed for all with all abilities in mind. If you listen to the interview I did with Lindsay, the owner of Spirited Play Labs, which is episode 253, she mentioned how when she secured over $30,000 per month in recurring government funding, specifically to help her serve more families of kids with disabilities, one of the main things that agency was looking for was actually that her space served diverse clients. So that means families of all abilities, races, income levels, etc. This agency did not want to send their families to spaces that would expose their kids to only other kids with disabilities because that's kind of like raising them in a little bubble or a vacuum, right? And as a parent of a child with a disability, hearing this from her almost brought me to tears because we as special needs parents want to not only teach our kids how to interact with the entire world around them, we also want others in the world to learn how to interact with and include our children from the youngest possible age because that is the only way the world will ever truly be inclusive if 
all abilities are represented in all spaces. So I'm really happy to predict this trend again as we head through 2024. All right, trend prediction number four, more inclusivity. So kind of staying in the same lane here, I'm also calling for a huge decline in the mama-themed play spaces in 2024. You know, the ones literally with mama or something similar in the title, and even just the usage of those types of gendered, hyper-specific, and highly exclusive and isolating terms across offering, social media, website messaging, all that. Sure, you can absolutely have classes and groups and offerings just for moms. That's okay. But to make that part of your branding and company identity is really going to put your space at a massive disadvantage. And again, thank you, Gen Z, for this because this has always been literally one of my biggest pet peeves. And this is not a political statement by any means. It's simply a fact that more dads and other caregivers are either staying home and raising kids or they're working from home during the day like my husband and they want to take their kids out and about. And I'm telling you right now, my husband is not going to a place called the Mama Spot or the Mama Collective or Java Mama or anything like that. And just to give you some context, Java Mama is actually a failed indoor play space franchise that got kind of big like 10, 15 years ago. They opened a bunch of locations and they're all closed. And I think a big part of that is that highly exclusive language of, you know, being a place for mamas to go. And it was very, you know, it was all purple themed and all the menu items were themed. So please, it's time to remove those terms from your branding and messaging altogether. Again, unless you have a class or a specific meetup group or something like that specifically for moms. But if you're going to do that, have one for other caregivers available as well. So again, I'm so excited that this is one of my biggest pet peeves and it's going to go away. I am really crossing my fingers for this one. The best time to remove this type of messaging from your business would be yesterday, but the second best time is today. So let's head into the new year with an inclusive mind. All right, trend number five, more creative cafe options. Because as I mentioned, more and more play spaces are opening up. There's even a bigger importance on having unique offerings and that applies to the cafe as well. So if you listen to episodes 54 through 60 of my podcast, you'll already know that I think it is just about 100% essential to have at least a basic cafe, to have a truly profitable play space, and to be able to pay yourself what you deserve as an owner. But I've seen places really lean into some more trendy and creative drink and food options, which I absolutely love to see. Bag chips and juice boxes are just not going to cut it anymore if you want to level up. Parents are looking for more fresh, local, healthy options, and Yes, some are looking to have an Instagram moment with their food. That is carrying over from millennials to Gen Z. So now may be a good time to look at how you can increase one of your most important metrics as a play space owner, your customer's average spend per visit, with some fun new food options for the new year. All right, trend number six, more small and local business collaboration. So what I mean by this is that I'm seeing consumer trends move away from big brands and companies, and more towards unique boutique offerings that support local creators. I'm seeing more spaces have success offering handmade and local retail items, for example, so the customers and businesses can put money back into their communities 
Or I'm seeing places have a lot of success offering toys in their retail sections that people can't just open you know, their Amazon app and buy for less. I actually have an episode coming out later this week about working with boutique and independent toy store owners and choosing a more intentional, sustainable, and responsible retail selection. So stay tuned for that. But I'm definitely seeing places find the value in supporting these smaller businesses and not just stocking their shelves with like Melissa and Doug or again, things that can just be found on Amazon or on any toy shelf or on, you know, in any store they go into. All right, trend number seven, more nonprofit play spaces. And this trend is kind of the result of a perfect storm happening in the industry right now. Funding for many people has become tougher and costs are rising, and many areas of the country and world are facing very high real estate costs. And those things, coupled with the fact that there is substantially more government funding available right now in this post-pandemic world, specifically for initiatives that promote play and early childhood development and socialization, all this means that I think we will be seeing a lot more spaces open as nonprofits. Now, I have an entire bonus module inside of Play Cafe Academy about the pros and cons of opening as a nonprofit, as well as some guest expert lessons from nonprofit experts and downloads. So please know this is not a solution for everyone, but I do see there being a big uptick in this coming in 2024. Now, there are some creative ways to still take advantage of government funding as a for-profit business like Lindsay and I talked about in episode 253, but it will be much, much harder than if you were a nonprofit. And it's also much harder to get private contributions from local businesses and community members as well as a for-profit business. Sure, some businesses can write out their contributions as marketing expenses if they sponsor a portion of your play area or an event or something like that, and I teach all that inside of Play Cafe Academy, but you will definitely have more of an uphill battle getting that funding from private investors and local businesses, trust me. All right, trend number eight, more open-ended play. Now, this is something I talked about in episode 257 of my podcast with Jennifer from Alchemy Kids when we discussed Waldorf-inspired play spaces, but I'm definitely seeing a lot more open-ended play, which I also love. While I do still appreciate when spaces have like mini grocery stores and car washes and super specific things like that, I love when they also juxtapose those exhibits with a section that's meant to encourage imagination and, like I said, be more open-ended. So for example, Kodo Toys is one of my favorite brands and they have like a scarf blower that I've seen kids use a million different ways and act out so many different scenarios. Or those wall toys that Kodo Kids also have that really maximize a small space like I talk about in episode 246 of my podcast that are meant to be more engineering focused. I love that I'm seeing more of this. It definitely keeps my kids engaged longer in a play space and It allows businesses to be more flexible and rotate some of their toys to keep their customers coming back and really interested. So more open-ended play. All right, trend number nine, and these last two might be a little controversial, but I am expecting a lot less new spaces to open with Cedar Work sets and Lilliput Play Homes, the ones that have been done to death over the last five to six years especially. So The trend is more custom gross motor structures and play equipment in general. And you know, you know, the Cedar Works sets and the Lilliput Playhomes that I'm talking about. 
They all have the same look and feel, and most have a very similar setup and colors and all that. And this is nothing against either company. I do not hate Lilliput or Cedarworks. But like I said, they've been done. When I visit a new play space, I can be like 90% sure that they will either have a Cedarworks structure or a Lilliput play home. And here's the key. Because most of these newer spaces are opening in towns that already have play options, many with Cedarworks sets and Lilliput play homes, it's going to become essential to do something different. So again, no hate to Cedarworks or Lilliput and no hate if you have those in your space. I had those in my space. But again, as the market is becoming more saturated, we have to do something different with our newer spaces. I did an interview with a designer from Tiger Play on YouTube, which is one of my favorite custom structure designers right now. And Safe Space Concepts is another one that's US-based and a bit more affordable, especially for those of us in the US. But I'm expecting more gross motor for reasons I talked about over and over again the last few years. Because it is not enough to just rent a room, do minimal interior design work and build out, buy some toys and imaginative items that people can get on Amazon like the Melissa and Doug Market or, you know, the little vet station or something like that and expect to charge people and call it a business and have enough money to pay staff and yourself. It's just not happening in 2024 with the way the economy is and with all of the play space saturation. You need to be ready to invest in your indoor playground if you want to enter the play space industry and make a living heading into the new year and beyond. And it's not just play equipment either. I'm seeing more owners investing in professional interior designers to create, again, truly unique spaces as well as professional graphic designers so that they can come up with something other than that dang pastel rainbow logo that so many play spaces ripped off Canva. And don't even get me started with Canva logos. I'm I already did an entire episode about that, but again, I really want to lean into uniqueness in 2024. There's simply too much competition and too high of parent expectations right now to rent a room, throw some home goods art on the wall, and fill it with random toys. This is not meant to be mean or even tough love. It's honestly meant to save you from a lot of wasted money and frustration if you honestly had that in your plans. The average startup cost for an indoor play space right now is between $200,000 and $800,000. Yes, there are some that open for less. Yes, there are some that open for much, much more that I'm working with. But I would not expect to launch your business with significantly less than that. Again, if you expect to earn a living from it and create wealth for your children and all that. So I'm expecting less of the typical structures that we've seen over the last six to seven years. And less DIY interiors, and I expect to see more emphasis on unique, custom, universally designed play equipment and spaces. And because of that, I am expecting more bigger spaces, and that is the last trend that I'm going to predict for this new year. So custom gross motor structures take room, so I'm expecting more play cafes to choose more industrial-style buildings that offer the space and ceiling height they need, without being overly expensive, right? Because they're still like that warehouse style space. Again, the super simple imaginative play only style spaces are valid, right? They have a place in the industry, but they're everywhere you turn right now. So I truly believe we are going to see bigger spaces with more to offer that people can't buy for their own homes moving forward. 
And yes, that might mean choosing a space off the main roads, but as you know, if you've been here for a while, it's worth it. And there are so much more cost-effective ways to market your business than being on a main road. So go for space and low rent as opposed to street visibility or anything like that in 2024 if you're planning on opening. All right, that wraps up my indoor playground industry trend predictions for 2024. Please let me know if you agree. Let me know in the comments if I missed any trends or if there's anything you hope or expect to see in 2024. I am always so interested in hearing from you. So again, I'm publishing this on my Profitable Play podcast. I'm also going to post the video version over on YouTube. So please feel free to reach out and engage with me. Share your feedback. I love hearing it. And if you want to learn any more about my products or my services or my courses or consulting, it's all linked either in the show notes if you're listening on the podcast feed or in the video description if you are watching over on YouTube. All right. Have a great day. Have a great holiday season and end of the year if you celebrate. And I will see you right back here shortly.